follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome to our program today on coaching teams for sustainable performance. We all know what teams are, and most of us have been on a team at some point in our lives. But what makes an excellent team? You are listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and I'm your guest host today, Chris Wall, sitting in for Kate Ebner. I'm a master certified coach, and I am the creator of the coaching program at Georgetown University. I also work often with our guest today, Alexander Kaye, to help train leaders to be better leaders, to help teams become excellent and to train coaches to be be excellent team coaches. I'm delighted to be hosting this radio show this morning because we know that more and more organizations are turning to teams as a way of creating powerful synergies with the intention of producing extraordinary business results. Yet, teams don't always thrive. Today, we will explore what does make a team thrive, what leaders can do to help their teams thrive, and what team coaches can do to support leaders and their teams to what we all yearn for, which is sustained, excellent performance. Before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about our guest today. Alexander Kaye is the founder of 125 Incorporated, an organizational consulting and coaching firm dedicated to helping leaders and their teams achieve significant organizational transformations by balancing the business and people aspects of change. Alexander is an executive coach who performs high-performance team coaching, process facilitation, leadership coaching, and management training for his clients. His work is founded on the integration of numerous principles and methods acquired from various fields like leadership, management development, organizational psychology, neuroscience, executive and team coaching, high-performance training, and cardiac coherence. His goal is to blend human resilience and performance with the achievement of meaningful business results. He has been helping his clients for two decades. Alexander is also an adjunct professor on the faculty of Georgetown University's Leadership Coaching Certificate Program. He's a guest lecturer at the American University and a frequent international speaker on the subjects of change, teams, coaching, and leadership. He's certified in team management systems and the Hogan Personality Inventories as well as being a health realization practitioner and a heart math one-on-one provider. Alexander is um, 
one of uh, one of the colleagues that I have been working together with for 12 years, and I'm very pleased to be speaking with him today. Full disclosure, our first chance to work together was when we created a course on coaching teams that we could offer as part of the Georgetown Leadership Coaching Certificate Program. That course has been quite a success since 2001, and since then we've expanded it into a deeper dive course for team coaches that we offer to people who are not in the Georgetown program. We also work together with various clients and their leadership teams, and so I'm delighted to welcome you, Alexander. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So here's what I was hoping. I was hoping, Alexander, that we could really tap your expertise on a lot of topics today, and I wanted to start off by discussing how do you define team coaching, and how did you get into team coaching? That's um, it's a good place to, to begin uh, because the journey began in the late 1990s when I was um, hired into uh, my first um, consulting uh, job with an organization called Gun Partners. And at the time, they were uh, struggling uh, with really capturing the essence of, of working with teams and, and helping their client teams work more effectively. Mm-hmm. And I just um, graduated from my master's degree in uh, organizational psychology from Columbia, had learned a bit about teams, uh, had some interest in it, but uh, was called upon to sort of st- study it. And what I noticed right away about the field and about teams is that I actually was not um, a very good team player. Um, I was fairly individual in my approach, and I had never really done well in collective environments. So as I started to to examine the ideas and research it and want to start to help, I realized that I didn't know how to do it. And I think like anything else, so many of us practitioners start to focus on areas perhaps where we have failings. It was actually something I wanted to learn for myself. I, I wanted to become better because I noticed that in my work with my colleagues and with my clients, I was... Um, I was not doing very well. Team coaching came as um, as an sort of as an evolution from my preliminary work in team building. So at first, uh, I entered the world of, of team building, helping teams um, do offsites and, and and learn through games and metaphors and simulations. And then I started to do team facilitation, where I was helping teams work through different processes, and I was doing consulting. But I kept noticing that there was a real there was a real gap in what I was doing and what teams were doing or learning because everything I was doing was either simulated or metaphor or I was doing it for them. I wasn't finding a place where actually teams were learning live on the spot and on the job how to make improvements for themselves. It seemed all, again, metaphorical where I was doing it for them. And in that sense, that gap showed me a place where if I were to do live interventions, jump into the group process around real work, real time, perhaps there there was more learning, and therein is when team coaching started for me. So it really started when you realized that the teams were relying on you too much for what you had a sense uh, that they needed to learn how to do themselves. Is that true? That's, ex- that's exactly right. Um, uh-huh. And the way I noticed it is I was being called back again and again and again to do the same thing for them. Oh, so they weren't really learning. They weren't really learning, and I kept doing it for them. And it occurred to me that as I was doing it for them, 
some of the same behaviors uh, that weren't helpful kept showing up and nobody was doing anything about them. And so whatever I was facilitating somehow was not being translated into, we've got to change ourselves to be able to do this ourselves. Mm. So there's an ownership piece on the part of the team that you were looking for, it sounds like to me. I would say so. And then, you know, the other piece was we do team building. So we we take them off site. We do these wonderful um, sessions and and exercises that were mainly metaphorical or simulated or role-played or gamed. And there would be great learning there. But then there was this whole translation piece, bring it back home to to the business or to the office, and the return on investment was low because very quickly those behaviors were not translated and it would drift off into into very little capture. So the other end of team building wasn't working either. So, so that brings me to my next question, actually, and that is that you saw a role for yourself that was different from consulting and different from team building, even though you were doing that, and different from facilitation. You're calling it team coaching. So... I'm wondering if you can tell our guests, our our listeners, I'm sorry, a little bit about what is the role of a team coach? You know, what is the role of a team coach? How's that different? Yeah, it's it's a great question, Uh, one that I've been working on for many years that you and I teach and that I'm training more and more people how to do. Um, First of all, I'll start by saying that it's not a pure role. I don't know that... I've ever been just a team coach in any engagement. I think I do team coaching within broader engagements. Um, The role of the team coach is to um, really understand what the essence of the issues with the team are, both at a technical level and at a human dimension level. Think of ways of working and ways of behaving or being with each other. And to understand it in a way that um, the team coach can then, um, during real work and during real meetings, um, observe those ways of working and, and group and human dynamics in action. And then every once in a while, stop the action during live meetings, again, in live work sessions, to have the team become aware themselves of what's happening in the room with their ways of working and their ways of behaving. And as they become aware of it real time because the process has been stopped and the coach is saying, let's take a look at what's happening here, then the role of the team coach is to have the team themselves become aware but make their own improvements live real time by really defining what's not working or what is working, what can be done to improve what's not working or to strengthen what's working. So in essence, it's to the role is to create real-time awareness of what's happening in the moment and to make real-time interventions that the team does themselves to improve effectiveness, performance, and, and, and create sustainable results. Great. That sounds really great. And I noticed that you said that this is around real work. Can you expand on that idea just for a minute? Yeah, this is one of the pieces that I think surprises um, 
clients because when they hear team coaching, many of them go to, oh, this is team building, and they want some kind of artificially generated um, exercise. And actually, or, or they want a special session, or they want a, a, a facilitated module, or they want to design something in particular. And actually, team coaching happens around everyday work. So, you know, most of the teams I know have meetings and work sessions are engaged in real work whether it be operational, strategic, tactical, project work. And the coach sits in on those work sessions and meetings, participates, and does the work as the team does its real work. And that really is one of the differences here because we're not called upon to facilitate those sessions or design them. We're called upon to observe the team in action and make interventions live during that real work. Mm-hmm. So in one way, this is based on some similar concepts around coaching. That is that when you can help someone see themselves, excuse me, see themselves in action, um, they then have a chance to make some sort of a shift in what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. And I think for many clients, um, as as I've learned over the years, this is actually for many the first time that they've ever had to do that in a collective setting. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a challenge in itself, too, right, uh, to do it in a collective setting. We're going to take a break in about uh, half a minute, Alex, if you wanted to comment on, if you wanted to come up with one comment on the challenge of doing this in the collective, we can start back up with that when, when we come back from our break. That'll be great. Thank you. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Calling all CFOs, finance, and risk professionals. Your call to action is to help your company achieve financial excellence. How? Master risk management, cost control, and strategic decision-making by implementing game-changing technology advances like mobile, in-memory, and cloud computing, and more. Where? Learn from top thought leaders each week on Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Join us for Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Business Channel. We're 
Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Good morning and thank you for listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. This is Chris Wall, your guest host, and today I'm speaking with Alexander Caillet, who is a coach, consultant, team coach, and organizational strategist, and he's the founder of the coaching and consulting firm 121.5. We left off uh, talking about what it's like to do this work for people on a team and actually for the coach in in a setting that has more than one person, sort of a collective setting. And I asked you to reflect on that, Alex, and I was just wondering if there's anything more you want to say about that. You know, I, I do, because um, I think this is a really important part. When when we're called upon to do this work and we are doing these, quote, live interventions, which, by the way, we call making moves, so that intervention word has a strong psychological connotation. When we make moves on the team, we're actually asking the team or team members, or more importantly, the team leader, to take a look at themselves live as they work. And to be able to do that, uh, we must understand that not all organizations are ready for this. It's not the kind of work that's that's doable by most. And, and most importantly, what it requires is a, a willingness and an ability by the team leader to do it. So there's a, there's a big piece of team coaching, um, which I know you know much about, Chris, around the contracting. And and the fact that the team leader has to be really um, willing and able to be coached publicly in front of the team, uh, to absolutely endorse the process, to be in a learning um, journey uh, personally and in front of the team, and then to allow for the broader coaching of the team by the coach. And and this contracting with the leader is critical. And if it's not done, if the leader's not ready, actually, in at least in, in my experience, it's not possible to, to do team coaching. Right. Okay. So we've had this experience before, both you and I. And I think our listeners would be really interested in hearing why a leader would consider bringing a team coach in, given that you're going to be in meetings where the people are doing real work, uh, what you do may actually extend the time of their meetings, which a lot of people are trying to uh, shorten these days. Uh, given that we're asking them to do collective reflection or observation, uh, and given that the leader, as you said, will be coached publicly and has to uh, agree to that ahead of time. So what's in it for the leader? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, what's in it for the leader is that, at least in the experience I've had over the years with, with so many teams, is that the the team experience has reached a point where effectiveness and performance is is um, significant, significantly hampered. So the team is not able to produce the results it's been asked to, 
the effectiveness and efficiency of the ways of working is on the way down. The team is not performing. And there could have been some departures. The team might be on the verge of being outsourced. Typically, it's, it's a team where the leader says, I need, I need an intervention that's more than some off-site team building, which, by the way, is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I need a significant intervention which will allow us to shift the way we're behaving and working real time to produce results. So there's the real what's in it for the leader is the results. It's getting the team back on track, back in the game to get done what it needs to get done. And, you know, I'll, I'll be called in to work on teams that are engaged in mergers and acquisitions, in business turnarounds, in restructurings, in culture change, perhaps in going into a new um, geographic location where there's a significant stake and that team somehow is, is, is not able to quite step up to the plate and, and, and get the work done. So uh, my translation of that is that, um, my short translation is that the leader is really experiencing some urgency, which may be external, and it may be uh, just some tremendous internal demand for results quickly. And so, and the leader, you know, we always figure that the leader has probably tried everything that they, they know to do, right? Is that your experience? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, they, they've yeah. probably tried, and, and what's coming up is feedback, typically from the organization, bosses, uh, superiors, or the team, that it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. So, so what it means is that when you go in as a team coach, a lot of your preliminary work, it sounds like to me, is going to be with the leader. And, um, and the reason I'm saying that is that it would seem to me that the leader would really need to be able to trust you with his or her team and yeah. with being coached in front of his or her team by you, um, who the team doesn't really know. And we can talk about how the team gets to know you, but can you talk a little bit about the trust for the leader? Yeah, this is this is critical. Um, I, I think uh, any leader who steps into this position is both uh, bold and courageous. It's uh, it, it's a heck of a it's a heck of a, a role to play. There's um, there's a fairly significant amount of um, trust building up front um, from just checking out credibility, past experience. Um, the leader's ability to, or the leader's willingness to really go uh, with me. Um, there's a, there's a chemistry piece. There's a context piece. Do I understand this type of team, the type of business, the type of industry, what the leader's going through? And then there's all of the um, the preparation we might do around uh, what this looks like, what it's going to feel like. Uh, we'll role play some of the moves as they may be made. Perhaps the leader um, is known for monologuing or, or not listening, and so I may say, you know, if it's a, if it's a woman whose name is Barbara, I might say, Barbara, you know, during the first meeting that we'll be together, if I were to make a move on you about listening, here's what it looks like. We might role play that. So there's a lot of creating comfort and creating safety and also letting the leader know, and this is, this is really important, that nothing I will do will uh, embarrass, will face them, will make them lose uh, their, their power, their authority in the room. And so the moves can be light. The moves are also about strength. It, it's geared so that the leader wins but does so in a way that he or she will also face the development needs he or she has. Great. So you sound like it's, it's a very supportive relationship that's also honest. Now, really quick, because it feels like we skipped a little step here, and that is how do you know whether a, lead, a leader is known for monologuing or not listening, or how do you, how do you find that out? 
All right. So the 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 intake that we do up front is is one of several. Uh, one intake that I do every time is just to interview um, all team members and the team leader, and sometimes um, people in human resources who might have a, a vested interest and um, have been given permission to be interviewed, and also um, the person's uh, bosses or, or superiors or, or what have you. So there's an interview intake, and you get to learn a lot that way. The other is you can run surveys, simple surveys, either through a, a Zoomerang or a SurveyMonkey to just ask blanket questions on behaviors of the team itself or the leader. And then... Um, there's also the possibility of looking at um, performance reviews or any kind of psychometrics that have been done in the past. So the intake is quite significant to really understand. And then uh, I often um, ask for or am invited just to upfront before anything else just to sit and observe the team in action for a half day or through a couple meetings and really there watch the team leader in action. And although at first everyone's going to behave because someone's watching, within a very short period of time people will go back to the way they typically act and I can really get a lot of data by then matching what I learned from the interviews and the surveys from actually observing. Okay, so that's great. And I think that's, that's really interesting for leaders to know and also for the team members to know that you'll be doing interviews, and that's one of the ways that you get to know really what the dynamics are that are going on on the team. Um, and, of course, observation is, is key, and team coaches really need to spend time in observation before they have their contract with this team and during when they have this the contract with this team. And while they're actually in the team sessions doing the real work, observation is a key piece. Um, I, before we go... Um, to our next break, which is a minute or two away. I'm wondering if you want to talk a little bit, too, about how, how do the team members get to know you beyond the interviews, Alex? Do you have other ways that you um, get to know who's on the team or about who's on the team? That's, a, that's also a good question. Um, one of the things that, we, that I failed to mention is that um, part of the team coaching engagement is to have a, a, a private one-on-one coaching relationship with the leader, which is a formal team leadership coaching relationship once or twice a month, which will go for the duration of the engagement. But there's no formal coaching with the team members. Uh, However, um, it's important, I think, for team coaches to take the time during breaks and lunches or any evening events to get to know the folks. If you're invited into the organization to walk around and and meet them, um, if they ask you for feedback, perhaps, on how they behave in a meeting or how they're doing, to provide that feedback, not a formal coaching engagement, but... And it's just um, building rapport. I'm not forgetting that um, there's always a chance to say hello and to find out about somebody and to take the time to do it. Yeah, that's great. And because what what really matters here for the whole collective is that the people on the team learn to trust you in the way that the leader is trusting you. Right. And and sometimes, um, I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, and we both have the um, standard that we typically do not coach people on the team when we're in a formal coaching relationship with the leader. And we're not saying that's impossible to do, but we're just saying we pretty much try to avoid it. Uh, But what I've noticed is that when I am coaching the leader in front of the team around something that maybe just happened in the real work session, uh, that the team members sort of start to sit at attention and watch how all of this happens. (laughs) And... uh, and to me, that's one of the ways that they get to know us is by watching us in action with their leader, their beloved leader or their fearful leader or their 
monologuing leader or whoever whoever it is that's leading the team. Um, so trust develops over time, as we know. And I'm I'm curious if you have um, anything more to say about that. Would you ever coach somebody on the team during these sessions? Yeah, absolutely. They, the, the the basic process is the first moves, as we call them again, are made with the leader. And they're typically lighter moves that kind of demonstrate that a leader can stop and, and, and notice how he or she is is doing what he or she is doing and make a correction. And once the couple of moves have been made on the leader, you can go to the entire team and have them observe their collective action. And then over time, it might take two or three meetings, he might drop in and, and coach an individual or a couple of individuals who might be you know, who might be doing something over and over again that's either a strength or getting in the way of the team. But absolutely, and I find that after a while, most team members um, are very willing to be coached and, and, and will accept it, will take a look, and will afterwards say that was really helpful. You know, no one has ever in my career had me take a look at the way, you know, I, I act in a team or in a group. I, it's never happened to me, and they're very thankful for it if it was done in a respectful and safe manner. That's true, and that's true. We both have that experience where they say thanks. I never noticed that before. Listen, we need to go on a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation about team coaching, and I think we'll go into what, is it, what does it um, take for a person to be a team coach. We'll, we'll dive in there. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hi, welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. This is your guest host, Chris Wall. Today, we're diving into the the world of team coaching and we're tapping into the expertise of Alexander Kaye, who is a team coach and, a cons- and consultant who has worked with diverse teams in 30 countries and, and in every sort of organization imaginable. Alex, every time I hear you say all the different types of teams you've worked with and where you've worked, I'm always in awe. And I'm sure that um, you have tons to say about that from a cultural standpoint. And before we go there, if we even have time to go there, I want to ask you to describe for our listeners, what does it take to be a team coach? What do you have to do? What do you have to study? What kind of a person do you need to be? Okay. You know, you uh, can take it wherever you want, but I, I'm curious to hear what your idea is of you know, what it takes to be a team coach. Right. So let's, let's, let's take a look at that because many of my students um, ask me this question. And, you know, it might be interesting here to make a distinction because some, some of your listeners might be asking themselves, well, what he's describing sounds a lot like process consulting or process facilitation and the Edgar Schein um, mode. And actually, it's true. It's, it's very similar to the world of process consultation to process facilitation with a slight difference I found with my earlier training in that field. And the difference is that we're, 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 my experience of process consultation or facilitation was a lot of giving the feedback, letting the team work with it, uh, whereas I think the team coach, there are probably more moves and there's more engagement. And also I find that in team coaching, there's a real strong focus on results or outcomes with uh, an understanding of the return on investment of a team coach's time to the team's ability to produce results and a measurement of that investment in terms of time spent in meetings, in terms of ability to meet deliverables. So it's very, very similar with a couple of nuances. That said, the, 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 for a person to be a team coach, here are some of the criteria, I think. Number one, I think the individual needs to really enjoy systems and complexity. There's a systems piece here. Uh, it's, it's not coaching one individual. It's coaching seven or eight of different nationalities, different races, ethnicities, gender, and each one with their own agenda. So complexity and systems. And I think within that, the, the, the desire to, to, to be a problem solver. And not so much that you're going to solve problems for the client, but to help the client solve their own problems. The, the team coach needs to really like human beings. I mean, it's, it's not just one individual. You're really in, in, in the human arena, and it's human issues, and it's group dynamics. So the ability and the desire to work with humans is important. And I think the other piece is, um, and, and this is more tricky, but if, if you're triggered by, by insecurities or if you're triggered by fears of being in groups or you notice that when you're in groups you... Um, you're, you're, I guess it's insecure, fearful. It's going to be tough because it's, it's so easy to, in a team coaching where you're doing less than facilitation, where you're making very distinct moves, it's easy to be triggered by um, feelings of insecurity or not being wanted by the group. Lastly, 
the ability to be aware and to be present. I often say, and you know, Chris, that uh, team coaching is like the X Games, those extreme sports we see on TV. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's tough, and there's no way that our rational mind, our, our prefrontal cortex, can handle it, the, all the information coming at us. So we really start to rely on a much deeper intuitive sense to pick up patterns and, and, and to notice. And so we have to rely on a real strong sense of being aware and fully present um, and to match that with some rational capacity to really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you talk? I, I totally agree with all of this. Uh, and I think your last point, which you said is um, really, you said it last, but I think it's actually the way you have to come in to a team coaching engagement, I think it's the way you have to be present in it, and I think it's the way you have to sort of comport yourself always when you're with the team, and that is being aware, conscious, and present. And um, tell us a little bit about how that helps you with what you're calling the X Games. Well, you know, when we get into the different frameworks we use, um, because... Teams. There, there are team models and team frameworks and team tools and team methods that effective teams use. When, when, when we um, use those and try to observe those in action to see what's going on, um, the amount of data coming at us is quickly overwhelming. Yeah. I know that when I do individual leadership coaching with one person, it can feel overwhelming. Um, when you have eight different people coming at you with so many conversations all over the place and it can really quickly feel like, I don't understand what's going on. I can't keep track of what's happening. So we have tracking tools and sensing tools like sociograms and different pattern charts that we use to capture data. But And those help. But, but I think what we have to rely on is this simple idea that um, we human beings have um, within us the ability to detect patterns. It's, you know, Modern neuroscience points to that with quite a great bit of evidence that we detect patterns, we notice, we capture. And we have to kind of go to a quieter place, to a deeper sensing mode, to to pick up the patterns that we're noticing and the way people are having conversations or making decisions or having their agreements or holding each other accountable or sticking to purpose or doing their deliverables. There are patterns, and it's the patterns that we call out. The rational mind is going to go too quickly to pick out significant pieces of data. It's going to get overwhelmed because it can't point to specific data. The deeper intuitive sense which picks up the pattern can call out the pattern generically. The team will know, and from there, then you can go into detail. Mm-hmm. So being able to be quiet enough to see the pattern and to feel the pattern and to be present and aware of when that's showing up in you as a team coach is actually sounds like one of the one of the really important uh, critical skills uh, that a team coach brings to this work. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I like what you said because you said our own patterns. You know, when I started this work, um, I was I had to notice just how fast my heart was beating, how mm-hmm. how anxious and fearful I was. Um, how much self-negative self-talk I was having in these meetings and thinking, you know, if I jump in now, this is all about me. It's because I feel like I have to add value. Like, I feel like I'm not doing this or that. And it had nothing to do with what the team was going through. So there's this whole, there's this whole piece about noticing your patterns, which you have to kind of quiet down first. Right. To get the clarity of mind, to be able then to detect what's happening in the room. And I would say 
that as a team coach, that's a big part of the training mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah, and and people can do that really every day because life is a, an absolute laboratory for helping us notice our own patterns. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> I agree, and I often tell team coaches, you know, this is the X game, so you better be fit for this. Are you eating yeah. well? Are you rested? Are you working out? Are, are, you, are you coming into this day, day and a half or half day prepared? Um, is your mind clear? Are you worried or anxious or concerned or angry? Are you in a low state of mind? If so, you know, do your whatever mind-body practices you have, use them. Eat well on top of that. Make sure you've slept and make sure that you're properly hydrated and, and you're ready to go. Because if you're overwhelmed by this kind of stuff, uh, you can very quickly get triggered and knocked off center. Okay. Before we go to a break, I wonder if you can quickly comment on what a team coach needs to do to learn about human dynamics and teams and team fundamentals and what makes an excellent team. Um, Books, training, I mean, how, how does a team coach go about doing this? Boy, that's a, that, 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 there's a, there's a long answer to that. There's, um, I, I think it's, I think it's incumbent upon team coaches to pick up, uh, to pick up books and frameworks and tools on teams. You know, my work began with the wisdom of teams from Katzenbach and Smith, and I had the privilege of meeting uh, John Katzenbach um, early in my career and um, having a conversation with him, and it was, it was truly outstanding. You need to, you know, pick up the books, read the books, and you'll notice that as, as the team books come out, and there are plenty of them, that there are all kinds of methods and tools and practices that teams use. Um, so that's an important piece. Um, group dynamics is an old field. There's, there's plenty of books that have been written on group dynamics and human dynamics and team dynamics. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you want to go into actual tomes here, but I say it, it's important to read up and pick up and understand the two fields uh, through, through, through literature and the research that's been done for the past um, many, many years. Right, and I think I would add to that that um, there is training available which uh, people can call into or write to the Nebo company to find out about that. But I think it's always a combination of reading some books, testing uh, what you're learning against your own experience, and actually going and trying some things. I remember the story that you tell often at Georgetown when we teach together, Alex, that when you started doing this, you walked into your first team and you had one tool and I don't know, maybe you've read maybe you read four books. I don't I don't remember. But in other words, you weren't like, you know, walking in with a, a huge sack full of things that you knew to do. You really had to go in and actually experience it and you didn't have the benefit of, you know, a tremendous toolkit behind you, etc. It's really you and what you could bring. So I, I think it's important that we get that idea that it's a, a mix of training oneself, attending training, uh, reading, and then trying things out. Because you're not going to become a master. I mean, you're not going to become a master until you've actually done some of the work, right? Well, I think you're right. You know, I often tell folks, um, you know, when I started, you're right, I had read one book and I had two pages. And mm-hmm. I think what you do is, is, is you take a look at what you think you know about groups and teams. Maybe it's how they set goals. Maybe it's how they delegate. Maybe it's how they make decisions. And you begin by working that, and you coach around those dimensions. And then little by little, you pick up understanding and knowledge around the different dimensions of teaming. And you start to coach progressively as you get to know those areas. But there's no reason why 
in the middle of a consulting or a facilitation or a team building event, you can't drop in a little bit of coaching work um, around some of the areas that that you know better than others. Mm-hmm. Great, thanks. So basically you're saying start where you are and build from there. We need to take a break, and when we come back, there are two things that I would really like to talk with you about, Alex. One is this idea of human dynamics and resilience and how that matters in team coaching. And also, if you could share a story, if you have one handy, about a team that you've worked with where all the things that we've been talking about kind of came to fruition. Thank you. We'll be right back. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello again, and welcome back. You are Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and I'm your host, Chris Wall. Today I'm talking to Alexander Caillé, a team coach who is also on the faculty of the Georgetown University Leadership Coaching Program, and he teaches team coaching in that program. If you're interested in learning more about what he does or about that program, please visit info@nebocompany.com. So, Alex, we left off and we were talking about the resilience of a team coach. We started to talk a little bit about human dynamics and uh, where a team coach can learn. And I can you just give us a minute on why these are important areas for a team coach to know about human resilience and human dynamics? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so you're talking about know about in terms of the teams they're working with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's there's been a lot written on on, on group dynamics and uh, human dynamics over the years. Actually, when I was doing my uh, master's, it was one of the courses that I took at Columbia, which I remember being just so fascinated by. And the the idea is fairly simple: is that um, we we behave one way when we're alone, and we behave different ways when we're in groups. And our behavior can change from group to group to group. It's interesting if you look at your own life, you look at maybe your family of origin, your current family, friends, you'll notice that you're not always playing the same role. So it's interesting to to note that uh, groups, teams, systems drive different behaviors, and those behaviors um, follow certain patterns. And systems, like teams and groups, uh, look for um, and actually naturally um, design themselves so that different people play different roles and people fall into those roles and those behaviors emerge. And I think for many of us, um, the collective experience, being in groups and being in teams, being in families, uh, it, it's, it's been a place in our lives of, of not always very positive experiences. And okay. for many of us, it's a scary place where we haven't examined who we are. And so our ability to understand uh, what drives group dynamics, how people might behave and how to solve them, allows us to, to jump in and make moves and, and help the team notice that the way they're behaving, the way they're showing up, um, might A, not be helpful for the team or the group, B, be contradictory to who they really are, uh, and C, can be changed by a bit yeah. of awareness and, and shifting. So it's very important. And, and the resilience piece is important because uh, many of us, and I've noticed this over the years, including myself, don't have always positive experiences being in teams. And so uh, being in teams or groups ends up being an energy drain. It ends up being um, something negative and something where instead of being productive and engaged and passionate, we actually end up being quite the opposite. And it's it's terrible for the individual because it's not pleasant, but it's actually um, very much of, a, of an issue for organizations because um, there's a cost associated to it and there's, there's a real performance and effectiveness hit. And if organizations can shift that to being more of a positive, dynamic, resilient experience, uh, they, can get, they can get great gains, right. uh, which can benefit everyone. Right. That's great. And I think part of the work of a team coach, and you and I have talked about this before, is to help the team itself build its resilience and to help team members do it. And often they do it by stepping into the conversations that they've been un- unable to have up until now. I'm wondering, Alex, if you have any examples about um, working with teams or human dynamics or resilience, um, you know, working with a team that just wasn't working and is working really well now. Is there anything you could share from your own practice that our listeners could learn from? Sure. Uh, I will mention the organization's name, um, although I've done a... Uh, a webinar, webinar. On, on a particular case, yeah. Uh, this is an NGO I've been working with for four years, and I was asked to come in and work with their executive leadership team. And like many NGOs today, uh, they're faced with a number of, of competitive pressures. Um, they're asked to really provide um, evidence on the, on the validity of their programs. Uh, they're being pressured to provide return on investment. Uh, they're the, the, the private sector is competing for the donor dollars, etc. And when I met them, they were very aware of this. They were faced with a couple of humanitarian crises, and they really knew that as a leadership team, some of their old behaviors were getting in the way. So 
I did all the intake and learned about them and learned about their business and their mission, which I really felt a, a heart kinship with. And what they realized is that they were stuck in a couple of areas, and, and there were several, but the two most prominent ones were around mutual accountability, which was they weren't delivering as they said they would, and they weren't holding themselves accountable for that. And two was just on this inability to make decisions. Right. And it was, it was really evident that when it came time to make agreements or decisions, they would break down tangents, uh, not quite getting there, kicking the can down the road. And so I um, did the intake. I shared that with them, and they learned that this is what they had all said, and off we went into these real meetings. And I was watching them you know, do work around some of their programs and their humanitarian efforts and their policy and campaigning. And, and every time we'd come to a decision point, these behaviors would show up, and they were right there. Um, and so I would just call stop, and I'd say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Let's take a look at decision-making. And they became aware for the first time of what they were doing. And they became aware as a collective, but as individuals. <clears throat> and as they mm-hmm. did, they were like, you know, this is incredible. We, we actually don't make decisions. We have all of these divergent, avoiding behaviors. And so by virtue of doing that two or three times, they actually put in place um, practices and methods to shift the decision-making, to shift the way they made agreements and ways to hold each other accountable when they broke those decisions or agreements. And they put those in place and started to act them out. And I was able to <clears throat> coach them from that point on when they didn't do so. And we did this for a while, and there were about six other dimensions we were looking at. But what was great is that, uh, well, great, um, years later when the tsunami in Japan, they were called upon to react very quickly and to provide services for the population <clears throat> that had been affected. And um, incredibly, they responded within 48 hours or 72 hours and provided a a series of services, which, as I was told later, would have taken them weeks to do. And they did so by immediately enacting their decision-making processes, their agreement-setting processes, and they held each other accountable. And the feedback was that um, that was a significant improvement in performance, which led to a real result, and there it was. Thank you, Alex. That's a wonderful story about what a team coach can do to help a team really respond well. Uh, We are just about out of time, and I know that there's so much more that we could explore. I'm going to just have to say, though, today, thank you, Alex. I thought what you brought to this was thought-provoking, informative, and I hope that our listeners learn something about team coaches and what a team can achieve through team coaching to create beautiful, amazing results. It has been my complete pleasure to be a guest host for this special hour with all of you. And for those of you who are listening, you can write to information at info, I'm sorry, info at nebocompany.com to learn more about team coaching and about the courses that Alex and I teach together. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Again, we've been talking with Alexander Caillet of uh, 121.5 and... Uh, You have been listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. May you all live your visions and feel the wonder in your life. Thank you very much. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.